You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. You've now tuned in to the Drawing Board Podcast, a powerful, thought-provoking discussion where we talk about family, relationships, ministry, community, and career. Let's see what exciting guests we have on our show today. Welcome to the Drawing Board Podcast. This is your host, Andre Ebron. And you know what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about that five domains, family, relationships, ministry, community, and career. One of the exciting things that we have had the opportunity to do during this pandemic or this quarantine or stay-at-home order is still bring to you consummate professionals, people who are passionate about life, about living, and about loving others through their profession. One of the things that I love about the Drawing Board Podcast is that it is relatable to all people. Everybody in their life has a demarcating moment where their life either took a pivot, it took a turn, it took a drastic shift, whether it was through discomfort or choice, You, everybody has a drawing board moment. And so when we start to digest this information about the drawing board, I want you to remember what the book was all about. The book was a powerful, thought-provoking testimonial, and it was there to challenge the reader to examine their life and to reimagine the possibilities. If you are into philosophy, Socrates said, the unexamined life is not worth living. If you are a proponent of faith, it is our questions that draw us closer to God. God is not afraid of our questions. In fact, he wants you to ask. He said, if you lack wisdom, talking about asking questions for the life fulfillment, he said, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of me who give him liberally and upbraided not. So listen, it is that question, that willingness to examine yourself that leads us to this point of conversing with others. It's a point of convergence where your life and someone else's life intersects based upon common goals and shared experiences. Where tonight I have a chance to introduce my good brother, my good brother, Vondre Smith. Watch this. What's up, my brother? Blessings, brother. Blessings. How are you, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, man. Oh, man, that is great to hear. Excellent to hear. So I always like to give people, because I, I invite people on the show that I earnestly like, that I that I think are awesome people. And so Definitely. we had an opportunity uh, to briefly meet uh, with JF. We, first, we met uh, through Enjoy Detroit. Shout out to Brother Dave Woods. Oh, speak- Dave. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Speaking of that, I'll take this moment and point of privilege to say that tomorrow, uh, Enjoy Detroit and S-Boy Printing will be doing their mass giveaway yep. May 20th. They normally have a big event where they have the big Memorial Day event, and they have not allowed this COVID-19 uh, to stop their giving or to stop their service. If you've seen Dave, he's been out uh, coordinating and collaborating with different nonprofit organizations and they've been delivering food to people's homes. I mean, I looked on one porch, Vondre, and they had like three or four gallons of orange juice. They had several cartons of eggs, big bags. It took me back to my childhood, man, because uh, it ha- they had the paper bags. You know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you remember? Uh, you, you're a marketing guy. Paper bags, yeah. 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 So you remember they used to ask you uh, at the end of the counter, do you want paper? Or plastic. or plastic, right? <laughs> I took you back, man. Took you back. But we had an opportunity to meet there uh, through Enjoy Detroit, 
And that shows the power of collaboration. And then we met again um, through JFK, joining forces yeah. with King. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shout out to Marv. Uh, shout out to DK. Yes, absolutely. They're doing some really great things. Uh, Marv is keeping people buttered up. Uh, he has his brand, uh, CEO. And uh, I know that uh, DK has his brand, Detroit Father, illuminating the necessity of fatherhood, uh, particularly in metro areas, underserved and minoritized communities. So shout out to those guys. Yes, 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 yes. So Brother Vondre, man, you told me before you came on, you were just ripping and running. Uh, you just came back from serving at your church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I actually just got back from uh, doing the live streaming services for uh, St. John the Great, uh, where our bishop is, Victor Eugene Sharp um, Jr. Absolutely. Go ahead and drop the address and the phone number. Go ahead and do it. Yeah, man, we're at uh, 16101 uh, Schaefer Highway, um, located around the corner of uh, Schaefer, right across from, uh, I believe it's Cole's um, Funeral Home. Um, you can come see us at uh, each and every Sunday, man. We're live streaming right now. Um, we're on a Facebook and also on a stjohnthegreat.com live stream. Okay, that's excellent, man. Now, let me ask you, because you're part of the media ministry there, yeah. uh, how was that transition from um, going from live services where people were in-house to now you the only option we have is streaming how was that process for you all well the process wasn't actually wasn't too big because we were already in the uh, workings of doing live streaming we were already doing live streaming we already had an audience there so it was really just a lot of our um people that were already coming to our services actually just going out and just going to the website so um you know definitely people had a learning curve but once you got over that learning curve it really did not affect us too much because we were already in the process of creating a online space for our ministry that's excellent man my ministry kano's international church we were likewise we already had a streaming platform we already had a budding e church and so it was literally getting the uh, the in-person congregants yeah, uh, yeah. to acclimate to yeah. being online and engaging online. that way. Now, let me ask you a question, man. Do you think uh, the way that we've done church um, prior to COVID-19, do you think that it will ever be as robust as it was before? Or do you think that more people will just choose and select to engage online? Well, I really believe that there are still going to be people that want to definitely come inside of the church house because, you know, inside of the Bible, it speaks about, you know, being inside of the sanctuary, actually inside of the sanctuary. So there are still people that definitely still want to go to the sanctuary because there is still a anointing that you get inside of the sanctuary that you would not get online. But I believe that you definitely are going to have a lot more people that feel that if they aren't able to make it to church or if they feel a little bit tired, that they're going to use the online streaming services a little bit more than they actually would before. That's good, man. You talked about just now, you talked about an anointing that is there from being present in the temple. Uh, at yeah. your church, man, describe that for me. Take that, because when you're in the media team, you get, yeah. a, you get a lens and perspective sometimes that nobody else gets. And oh, yes. So, man, talk to me about that uh, from being in the media team, because there's, oh, some, kid, there's some person, yeah, listening Who's yes. like, man, listen, I really want to be a part of my church media team. I'm editing YouTube. I have my own YouTube accounts. I know how to integrate all of these different platforms, but I just don't know how to get involved at church. Man, talk to me about that experience, about how you got involved uh, with, you know, media arts 
and now how you're using your gift and talents to yeah. uh, glorify God. Talk to me about, first talk to yeah. me about capturing <laughs> that experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So really with my church, um, they were already thinking of, you know, we want to, well, my, well, my pastor has, she had a um, aunt that actually lived on the other side of the state and she wasn't able to like really come inside of the church. So we were just thinking of ways that he can actually still give her service, ways that she can actually still get service. So that actually brought up the idea of actually getting online and just bringing that into our church. So um, that opened up the door for me saying, okay, I do this already with Google. I was already doing this with Google. I'm already doing this on the side. So let me bring what I do professionally into the church and show you guys how to do it the right way so that we don't have any hiccups or anything throughout the, um, throughout the time. So, um, being that, you know, we're a traditional church, there are certain things, you know, we're definitely going to have to work through, but we did end up getting a streaming service that actually worked out for us. So it was just transitioning over from um, the old Baptist style that we used to do and just transitioning into something that would be opposed to millennials and also more people that are going to be on the other side of the state that aren't able to actually get inside of the church, but they still want to worship with you. That's good. Let's take a minute and thank God for auntie. Auntie yeah. was the yeah, auntie was the <laughs> auntie was the catalyst, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. if auntie hadn't needed the word, there would be yeah. so many people yeah, missing out right now. We would have been so behind. We would have been so behind, man. It never it never would have been a thought for us to actually do. So um actually connecting with people that are not inside of your local area, people that are inside of different states definitely opens up the door for you to create different spaces that they can still have ministry with you guys. Absolutely. So the church is open, but the buildings are closed. Yes, exactly. The church is always the church is always going to be open. I definitely tell everyone that, you know, the church, the church is always going to be open, but the buildings actually closed and church is going to be on the inside of you. You know, when you walk inside of the sanctuary, you know, you put you, that, that, that that's church. You know, when you walk inside of the sanctuary, that's church. The building, the building is not the church. You're the church. When you walk inside of that building, that's when it becomes the church. That's when it becomes sanctified. That's when it becomes filled with the Holy Ghost. It's when the people get inside of there. That's excellent, man. Yeah, we are. Uh, know ye not that your body, what, is the temple. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's good, man. So I want, I want to highlight for a second, though, because um, one of the things that I notice uh, a lot, man, is that when people come to church, uh, sometimes they leave their mind on the outside. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they watch, watch this. And they also leave their skill sets. So you were working for Google. And yeah. you were already you had these skill sets in this technical capacity. Your ministry could benefit from utilizing the skills that you've garnered to be effective in the world's system. Yes. And when you brought it to your church, you have been able to galvanize and evangelize a whole world just because you were willing to allow your gifts to serve a need within your ministry. Yes. Inside of our church, we, we're, we're, we're really big on using your outside gifts to bring a better experience inside of the church. Um, inside of our church, we even have a ministry that's just for nurses. We call it the uh, first responders. And that's only for people that have medical backing. They, only have, they all have a certificate and they have some type of medical backing to where they can actually be of assistance. So we use, so inside of our church, we try to use a lot of people that have the outside skills and we're not turning anyone away that does not have the skills and they're trying to grow the skills. But inside of our church, we try to really work with the people that have the outside skills because you're not going to have so many hiccups and those people know what they're, exactly they're doing as well. That's great, man. So talk to me, Vondre. Listen, man. I need to know this. I got I have I have a question for you. You, yeah. you so you have a company 
Uh, you are the owner of Atmosfera Food yes. Marketing Agency. You are yes. a diehard foodie. You're a <laughs> former SMB sales coach for Google USA. Yes. You're a food digital marker, mar- marketer. Yes. And uh, you also have on, on uh, Instagram, you have this question that you ask through your handle, who does your marketing? So, who does your marketing? <laughs> yeah, who does, who does your marketing? Yeah. And, and uh, that is a great question. So let me let me ask you, man, what sparked your interest as a young man? You're still a young man, but as a younger man uh, to really pursue like the uh, like I said, the media arts, graphics, uh, marketing, sales. Like what 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 drove you that direction? Well, man, I've been selling ever since I was 14, brother. Um, I've been inside of sales, you know, just really working with computers, just working with design and different things ever since I was 14. I actually started my own business cutting hair back when I was 14, just cutting on my mom's porch. And from there, I would just take um, the pictures that I would, um, you know, the pictures of my cuts and I would just put them on different um, flyers and and different things and just basically just boost my sales and just try to get my name out there in any type of way. So Ever since I was 14, I've actually started marketing. And then at the age of 18, I actually started cooking. Um, Started cooking for um, 24 Grill downtown inside of Detroit, Michigan. And then I actually started getting my name out. Um, Later on, I had a chance to actually work for Google. And then I stayed there for about five years. Um, I stayed at Google, um, worked for Trends and also for Google AdWords. And stopped working there and actually uh, created my own agency. I just started freelancing. I'm seeing that restaurants were really the biggest um, area where my business was actually growing. So that's where I really honed in because I seen that that's where my influence was. And that's where my mindset was actually very, very serious because I have a diehard love food. Like I can sell anything that literally comes with food. Hold on, man. You said something profound there. You recognize where your influence was. Walk yeah. me through that. Walk me through that process. So I hear you, you've already, you've always had an entrepreneurial spirit, right? And so for me in the kingdom, that's the balance between king and priest, right? Yes. So in Jesus Christ, he's created us to both be both what king and priest. Yes. And so we see that, right? But yes. talk to me, man, about how you recognized where your influence was. So once I really recognized where my love was, where my passion was, where I really spent the most time, because a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to be good at several different things. That's really not the way that you want to go. You want to go the way that is actually going to get you beneficial in a way that you can actually scale and something that you can actually teach someone else. So I really found out that I have a diehard love for food. Why? Because that's where I spend the most time. I'm always looking at different food pictures. I'm also always looking at what restaurants are doing. I'm always trying new foods. So that's where my mindset and that's where my love actually really was. So by me saying that, okay, I don't want to do anything else by just saying the word no to things that um, would usually pay my bills, but it really wouldn't further me inside a business or it wouldn't further me along inside of myself. Just saying no to that money really furthered me along inside of the business that I was actually trying to build. And it also furthered me along as a person. People started taking me more serious because I was actually focusing on what I actually love. Man. So listen, so that's huge. So a willingness to say no yeah. to things that may have some provisional item attached to it yeah, to, yeah. Pers- yeah, to pursue what you were serious and passionate about yeah. caused other people to take you more serious. Yes, 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 yes. Just saying yes to everything, people aren't really perceptive of actually taking you serious. People are just going to take you as a yes guy and a guy that they can just call or just get some BS from. So they're probably not going to take you so serious. I definitely would say that if you're, trying to be a person that's trying to pursue something and actually be serious, 
spoken, say no to some things because you're actually going to be more benefiting yourself than you just submitting to and actually just doing whatever every everyone else wants you to do. You're actually going to be showing what your dreams are, and then you're actually going to feel a lot more happier waking up as well. Now, let me tell you, that sounds excellent in theory. Now, walk me through the process of how that actually happened for you. It because, took a lot of hard work. Yeah, because saying saying no is not always easy. It really isn't. So, so it's going to be. So let's, it's, let's, let's, it's let's unpack it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna paint a few pictures for you. Okay. Would you, I'm gonna paint a few pictures for you. Would you be able to say no if your bank account said negative and you had a client that's trying to pay you something that would turn that bank account unnegative? You're probably going to say yes, and you're probably going to be more receptive of actually saying yes. But I actually had to say no because doing that job, my bank account might have went positive, but I wouldn't have went positive. I wouldn't have went negative as a person because I'm now doing something and I'm now pouring into something that I'm not happy about and I'm not fully using my brain skills and I'm actually not even really servicing that customer the full capacity that they actually should get because I'm not happy doing this and it's just I'm just looking at this as something to pay my bills. I'm not looking at this as something I'm going to actually help this person. I'm actually going to um, be able to build this. I'm actually going to be able to scale this. I'm just looking at is this is something just to pay my bills and just to get it off my table. So it's really not a good way for people to people just saying yes to each and everything because you're just paying your bills at some point and then you're going to be unhappy later on down the line when you just see that your bills are paid, but you're actually unhappy. You're not able to do any of the things that you're actually wanting to do and you're not able to just step out and to do things that you've been thinking about doing. So just say no. Um, it's going to be a hard process, but it's going to be a process that's actually going to take you a lot farther than you just saying yes to each and everything. Now, listen, man, you know why this is so on point is because I literally was just having this conversation with my daughter yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. We were literally talking about uh, being able to build a life where you can select what direction you desire to go because you are in a position now that you you can leverage. In her case, she can leverage this privilege so that she does not have to pursue a job just to make ends meet, but she can pursue something that she's passionate about, something she desires, and then build a life based upon not just her preferences, but her purpose. Yeah. And a lot of us, we grew up with with the wrong information. We're just going to put that out there. A lot of us really grew up with the wrong information. I even did. And it wasn't until I got older and started getting close to my mentors and started listening to them where I started picking up this information. A lot of us are, what are we told? Just to you know, go to school, get good grades, get a good job, you know, go to college, do whatever. That might work for you, but that might not work for everyone else. I tried going to college. I'm actually, I actually tried going to college. I'm a college dropout. But if you sit me next to someone that does what I do, that's actually inside of college, I'm pretty sure it has been done that I can come up with the campaign much faster than that person. Why? Because I had the experience that's actually going to come behind it. So there's also different areas where you want to still definitely still go to school. But if school isn't inside of you, Go find what actually is. If you're trying to be an artist, school probably wouldn't be the best way for you to do. Go travel the freaking world. Go to Greece and learn how to paint inside of Greece if you're trying to be an artist. Don't put so much in going to in going to debt when you're actually trying to become something because school always isn't the answer for everything. So sometimes you can actually can fi- figure out where you actually want to go in life without school being inside of it because inside of my first, I actually got a chance to work for Google without going to school and not many people are able to do that. 
Yeah. And I, I think that when you keep it in its proper context, that these uh, colleges and universities are institutions of learning. And so yeah. if that particular institution of learning doesn't serve the purpose that unearths your potential, then you have a responsibility to find out where the information is you need to learn in order to advance yourself. So whether it's college or university, whether it's trade or vocation, whether it's, you know, uh, being an entrepreneur or traveling, like you said, the the actual goal is to continue to pursue knowledge, to continue to, you know, uh, access that personal access, excuse me, that personal and professional development. And so when I, when I think about that, uh, I want to talk about your eclectic palate. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about the foods that you like, man. Bring yeah. me into your world, okay? Let's yes. let's talk about. I, I, I picture. I have to tell the story. I'm, I'm literally hit on this inside of my family. There's probably no food. There's no food that I will not try. Actually, so um, as long as it's not not any type of um anything that I'm not allergic to, I would definitely try that food because it's it's food. It's something that I'm open to is something I've always been conceptive to. So um, if it's couscous, if it's uh, fagua, if it's anything, I'm going to try it. Brother Vondre. Mr. Ebron. Yes, sir. I don't know what happened, sir. <laughs> it happens. Yeah, but I'm back, man. So no, I was saying, take me, man, to uh, your eclectic palate. Take me to that point. You were saying that there's literally no food that you won't try. Yeah. And that was, I think, the last thing that I heard. Yeah. So there is literally no food that I actually won't try, man. So um, if it's any type of steak cut, um, any type of um, fish, sushi, um, couscous, um, it can be fagua, man, anything that comes from a different country. Uh, um, I've even ate, I've eaten, um, eaten, uh, what is it? Uh, chocolate covered cockroaches before when I was in India, man. So uh, it's literally no food that I will not try for the first time. Now. Oh, wow. Man, did you say chocolate covered cockroaches? Yes, yeah, they're actually pretty good. <laughs> oh, listen, I, uh, I don't know if I if I'm cultured enough to do that. <laughs> listen, I, I have I have had uh, in college. uh I was the president of our black student union as well as our multicultural student organization. Yeah. And so our being that our minority contingency was not uh, that large, the international student association and the multicultural student organization and black student union, you know, we got pretty tight. Right. Yeah. yeah, And so I would get invited to the, uh, what they would call international nights Mm -hmm. and they would have the delicacies and the cuisines. And, you know, you never, reject anyone's delicacy you never yeah that's never like one of the worst things that you can ever do yeah absolutely so i must admit at this moment though i, I it's a moment of transparency yeah we were in this venue and it had gotten pretty hot because people you know the air the fans were on but it was extremely hot mm-hmm. so they had you know those large igloos that they have with the drinks in it yeah so i went to i saw somebody pouring what I thought was red punch, right? And so I was like, man, I have to get, I'm thirsty. I, had, I got down there and uh, I said, man, fill it up. Fill it, you know, and I requested that it be filled to the brim because I was parched. <laughs> and so I turned the cup up and I'm, you know, I'm guzzling. Yeah. 
until I get this remnant, this aftertaste that is strikingly unfamiliar. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I, I am very, uh, I'm very conscious of what my, my facial expression, uh-huh. because I'm noticing that the person that I asked to, to pour the cup is awaiting my response. And, and so just, I lower the cup. Oh, man, he's just looking at you. He was just waiting on you, bro. He knew exactly what was inside of there. <laughs> Listen, I, I lowered the cup and he's waiting for, you know, my positive or negative response. Yeah. So instead of responding, I ask a question. I said, hmm, you know, this is unfamiliar. You know, what is this? And he begins to tell me this is the excrement of boiled rose petals. Oh, wow. And so I said, hmm. And so, you know, when something doesn't taste good to you. Yeah. The the polite response is that's different, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm walking around with this cup, honestly, (laughs) looking for a place to dispose of it. Right. Out of sight. And I look to my left and I realize that this guy is watching me like a hawk. (laughs) Oh, he wants to see you drink it. He's never seen yeah. you do it. He wants to see you drink it. <laughs> and so, man, I had I drank that whole entire cup. Oh man! And uh, oh yes, man. I bet so, your skin feels good, man. It's, it's a lot of it's a lot of good stuff in rose petals, man. I bet your skin felt good, but I, oh god, I bet it tastes tastes terrible. Oh man, listen. Uh, all I'm gonna say is it was different. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so listen, tell me, man, as a foodie. Uh, what are some of the places that you have yet to go or foods that you have yet to taste that you, you are, you know, you can't wait to encounter? Yeah, man. So I haven't tried um, many South African dishes. Um, South Africa is definitely one place that I definitely need to travel to. Um, I'm going to say it's probably not too many uh, restaurants in the uh, States that I actually haven't tried. And if it is restaurants that I haven't tried, it's just a matter of time until I actually go to them. But it's literally going to be uh, South African, and if I were to say Australian, I've never been to Australia, so I've never had any style Australian dishes. Um, I wouldn't even know what they were, were even looking like. So um, I definitely would say there would be a place that I definitely need to try out. Man. Oh, excellent, man! Yeah, um, have you have you had any Ghanaian food? I've had it before, bro. I've actually had it before, man. It's actually pretty good. They have like this really, really good rice dish and it comes with like um, greens. It's actually pretty good, man. It's actually very, very nutritional. Oh, great, great. So listen, man, we, we're going to have to actually take the drawing board live one day where you yeah. and I go somewhere. Because uh, I, 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 Listen, I must admit, I must admit yeah. that uh, I am pretty uh, four corners as it relates to uh, my palate. Oh, come on. And so I'll, I'll tell you, um, my wife is a foodie. Yeah. So I have explored places with her, you know, to, you know, just to experience it. Yeah. Right. So I, I am the reason why I'm kind of four corners with, with my, with my palate Mm -hmm. is because I'm a textures guy. So you know how food, yeah. I I'm just being I like food touching. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying I I it's the it's the texture of the food. Like I don't eat a lot of pudding, right? Oh, and the reason I don't eat pudding is because of the texture. Oh, you hate hummus. Well, no, I enjoy. So listen, 
we have a healthy, it's called a healthy living. And yeah. It's a nonprofit that goes into schools about uh, getting kids to eat more healthy. Yeah. And so the, the lady challenged me and she challenged me and people do this to me. I don't know why they do this, Brother Vandre. <laughs> she challenged me in front of a group of second graders. Oh, and that's she what was she, trying, listen, she was trying to get them to eat more healthy. <laughs> and uh, she was saying, well, if Mr. Ebron tries it, you know, you guys should try it. And so. I'm having all of these creative ideas about what I would say yeah. absent the children's presence, you know, yeah. and the kids are looking at me like, yeah, Mr. E, bro, Mr. Right, e. right, right. On the inside, you're like, come on, would y'all just, just stop? Just, <laughs> just stop. Because listen, I don't like chickpeas. I don't. Oh, man. <laughs> but she created this hummus. She had the hummus prepared. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it seems like the, the portion they give you when you don't want to try it is it's always so gargantuan, right? So it's it's so big, man. You're like, like dude, just, just, just a little bit. <laughs> right. And so the kids are awaiting my response as this other gentleman was. Yeah. And so I go in for it. I said, well, in for a penny, in for a pound, right? So I go in for it. And to be honest, it was seasoned with some kind of spice. Oh, yeah. And so it was actually really good. Yeah, the turmeric. Yeah, they usually um, season it with like some turmeric or like some cayenne pepper, man. It usually makes it like really, really spicy and like really, really good, bro. Yeah, I enjoyed it so much so that I started going to Sam's Club and buying some Sabra. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that, that, that was that was the season. I've stopped. Don't worry. The <laughs> <laughs> <It was> season. <laughs> so listen, man. Um, when you talk about marketing, particular to restaurants, yeah. Um, what do you think the process will be, or the necessity for restaurants uh, to control the narrative around? restoring confidence and trust of people going back to their restaurants uh, post-COVID-19. What do you think needs to happen? So really just coming back from COVID-19, you really want to stress that the safety method. You want to stress how safety, what safety measures you guys are taking as a restaurant. You really want to stress what you guys are doing. And you also want that to be shown to your customers as well, because you guys just doing it inside of your four corners is really not as good as you letting your community know what you guys are doing inside of there. So show people that you guys are wearing your mask. Show people that you guys are taking the proper precautions for social distancing inside of your dining rooms, inside of your checkout processes, inside of your online processes. Make sure that you guys are showing people that you guys are taking the safety to the app. Safety, safety aspect to the next level because that's what's really going to set a lot of restaurants apart from the other ones. There's still restaurants out here that literally are not going to take this serious, and another restaurant taking it serious can really separate them separate them out because restaurants, uh, when it comes to them, customers are more receptive. Um, I want to say about eighty percent of the customers are going to be switching over to a different restaurant that actually is doing safety measures, that actually is taking everything serious, that's actually doing the safety precautions, because the ones that are not, customers are really not going to want to even deal with them because one that says a lot about you as a person and also that just says that you really don't care. Right. I think that's so delicate uh, when it comes down to uh, things that we ingest, right? So It really does. does. You're really about what 
type of message you're putting out there to your people because just like you said we ingest this stuff if you're putting a bad feel and a bad message and a bad um i want to say a bad sound on your brand that's going to resonate inside of your food i'm pretty sure you've even done this before you can get mcdonald's from the restaurant that's up the street from your house but you will still travel to the mcdonald's that's a little bit farther why because they give you better service you feel better when you go to that mcdonald's and you just get a better overall service when you go to that mcdonald's the fries are hotter the, the drinks taste a little bit better the food tastes better than the restaurant that's been mcdonald's that's actually up the street so definitely that message definitely that brand definitely that mood that the restaurant gives is definitely going to trickle down inside of the food that they're selling out to their customers so if your restaurant that's just not taking things serious you're just saying that oh we'll just do whatever that's going to trickle inside of your messaging. That's actually going to show inside of your food that you're cooking to your customers. And then the customers are going to notice because they can taste it. They can see it. And they're going to start going other places. That's true. So would you say that quality uh, outweighs convenience? Definitely quality outweighs convenience in a lot of cases because we've seen that, you know, what um, Little Caesars, they do $5, um, $5 pieces or whatever. But person, the typical person that's actually going to buy those, it's just on the go. They're trying to get something for their kid. It's just something quick. It's just something quick and cheap to eat. It's really not anything that you want to divulge into. When you want to divulge into a pizza, you're usually going to spend 10 12 $15, $20 on a pizza. It's not going to come from that $5 pizza. So it's definitely... Um, I want to say a voice when it comes towards the quality that you put inside of there, but you want to think about the time frame that it's actually going to be coming out to. Yeah, no, I, I must agree. If if I was Little Caesars, I would purely market to um, school functions, school events, yeah, exactly. you know, exactly. and moms, I was moms to have kids. You know, those are going to be the people that are yet um, football teams, basketball teams, people that have to usually buy pizza in bulk. Um, I would try to go towards those people because people, pizza is still a really, really good deal for a lot of people to go to. But let's be honest, the real person that you usually see eating a Little Caesars pizza is usually below the ages of 18. Yeah, now nah, I have to be honest, man. On my days where it gets really busy, I listen. <laughs> I, they they know at work. They, yeah. I, but see, I go in, I customize my pizza so much. Yeah. That not five dollars. That, that they have to make it <laughs> to my specs, right? Yeah. And so that that's the way I know. I know it said it's hot and ready, but yeah. I ordered my pizza so specific that. Yeah. I'm literally crafting my own experience. Now, yeah, let me ask you. Yeah. It, yeah. So my one of my favorite dishes uh, happens to be the Chilean sea bass. I won't name the restaurant uh, because I'm not getting any, uh, uh, you know, sponsorship dollars. Oh, yeah. I won't name them. But, <laughs> but a Chilean sea bass. Yeah, I know uh, what you're talking about there when you say the Chilean. I know what you're talking about. Yes. And so <laughs> that is, to date, my favorite dish Hands okay. down. Okay. Okay. Man, me, for me, dude, it would definitely, I would, de I'm a burger guy, man. So I'm very, very simple when it comes to restaurants, man. Like I will literally go to a five-star restaurant and look for the best burger that they have on the menu. Um, burgers are like literally one of the best things that you can do, man. But for me, um, I've actually uh, like bison burgers. Bison burgers are a really good um, deal for me, man. And also um, tomahawk steaks. Tomahawk steaks. Um, yes. Since like January, man, have like seriously become like one of my prime things when I go to restaurants. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that tomahawk steak is a beast. I'm just going to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> I but, it is, yeah but it's delicious. It is delicious. It definitely um, is. Definitely is. 
so man, talk to me if um, if someone can't frequent uh, the more five star restaurants, but they want to have a five star restaurant experience within their home. Uh, yeah. Where do they begin? Like, I, we need to have something like cooking with Vondre, you know? Yeah. Uh, so definitely um, something that restaurants can definitely do. Restaurants can create an experience like that. So one thing that a lot of my clients are doing is meal kits. And behind those meal kits, my clients were actually shooting professional videos to show the customers inside of their homes how to actually prepare that meal kit, how to prepare that meal kit to make it look like it's actually coming from the restaurant and how to actually create this space inside of your home. So that's definitely a really big thing that a lot of restaurants can really, really do in a really good way that create that restaurants can create another product for themselves as well. Just creating a meal kit and giving your customers the food and also showing a class or just getting your customers engaged and actually showing them how to cook do does two different things. One, it shows your customers um, that you can in, definitely engage with them and you're engaging with your customers on a different way. And you're actually teaching your customers something. If you teach a man to fish, he's going to know how to fish. So that customer, that person is actually going to come back with you. That person is going to want to spend more time with you. This person is going to want to talk to you a little bit more. So by you doing that and actually taking the time out to show your customers how to actually create this deal, how to create this um, meal kit that you guys put out there that keeps the customers coming back and also engages the customer with your restaurant a little bit more as well. So meal kits are a really good way. Margarita kits are a really good way for restaurants to definitely do this. And also, um, <clears throat> I've seen a chef at uh, La Culture actually do this. He's doing uh cook. He has like a cooking channel or like a, a cooking um, class or whatever that he actually does. And people that would usually go to the restaurant that like those dishes, he's teaching them how to actually make them inside of their homes. So at the times that they're not able to actually come into the restaurant or they just want to show out to their family, they know how to do something different. Oh, that's excellent, man. That's excellent. Now, what are some of the restaurants or some of, if you're able to, Share what are some of the customers uh, that you have or clientele that you have that are preparing these meal kits. So those who are listening may like may think that is an excellent option for specifically right now. Yeah. So I'm not going to disclose too many of them, but I'll def- I'll go into like a I'll go into more like the like the franchise aspect of it because that's where I'm not going to get into much trouble. So clients like um, Subway, clients like Subway are creating um, meal kits, and the way that they're kind of creating meal kits in their way is. You want to make a sandwich and you're not able to make it at home. I'll sell you the usual Subway bread. I'll sell you the usual Subway lunch meat and you can make all of this stuff at home. So kind of doing it that way is a way that my customers are still able to make a profit inside of their restaurants and they're still able to sell the products that they actually would be able to, that they wouldn't be able to usually sell inside of their stores. Um, they're not selling as many um, sandwiches, but they still can sell the lunch meat that would kind of defeat that would kind of defeat that cost. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Man, listen, when I am fasting, uh, I will get a veggie sub in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And if if you're not able to really get that same, you're not going to be able to get that same bread that Subway has inside of their restaurant, inside of the store. So going to go to Subway and actually buy that and actually having that fresh unleavened bread inside of your home, it's a really good it's healthy, it's good for you, and you have that same taste that you were always looking for. You still get that same taste that you were looking for. Absolutely. So walk me to it, man. So you, a foodie, a technical whiz where you are uh, putting all these pieces together. You serve at your church on the media team. You're running a business. Take me to the name Atmosphera. Like, help me understand the thinking behind that. 
So atmosphere, um, I'm, I'm fluent in Italian. Um, and Ital- and atmosphere is actually um, atmosphere in Italian. It means atmosphere. And what atmosphere definitely means to me is taking marketing to the next level, doing everything that's not on a stratosphere level, but taking it to the metasphere level. And that means that we're just taking things on another level that a lot of people are not really able to even go to. So just thinking like there's no box at all is one thing that my company is all about. Um, just literally just taking everything out of narrative and being disruptive inside of the marketing um, channels is what we're all about. Just really disrupting things and just taking things to the next level and doing what others aren't usually doing. Oh man, that, that sounds amazing. I mean, of course I can hear almost the context behind it. Uh, as far as your faith, our faith goes with setting the atmosphere, right? And anytime we bring God's presence into the atmosphere, it disrupts whatever was going on and it sets a plain path for growth, for healing, for deliverance, for advancement, for prosperity. Oh yeah. I'm with you, brother. I am, I am with you. I have, I have a request for you Yeah. because I am not fluent in Italian, but I definitely like to sound romantic. So you got to give me something before we get before we get off, man, you got to give me something romantic. I can say to my wife tonight, tonight is date night. I need something that I can say. Come on, give me something. Um, you can just say, buongiorno, come stai. Um, you're just asking your wife literally how I love you. And then you can just say, rubber dirty. Okay, buongiorno, come stai. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I say, what at the end? Rubber dirty. Oh, okay. Vandre, have you been using that, man? You've been using <laughs> your Italian to your advantage. I use it a lot, I bro. I use it a lot, man. I use it a lot, bro. Or you can just tell her, te amo. Oh, te amo. Yes. Yes, te amo. See, oh. and Italian are very, very similar. So that's one way that I was able to learn it because I hung around a lot of Mexicans when I was younger, man. But I never picked up Spanish, but I would always hear it. So just learning Italian and getting closer to like the Italian consulate, it just made everything transition a lot easier, man. Like Spanish and Italian are like super close. Okay, so buongiorno, como está? Yeah, I like that one. And then I can walk away and be like, I'm going to be ready, man. Date night is on deck. Quarantine date night is officially international. I'm going. (laughs) No, man, but listen, I I think it's excellent, man. Um, You as a young man getting involved uh, in so many different facets. I heard you say that you're pretty well traveled. What's some of the places that you've been? Man, so um, I've been to India, bro. Um, I've been to um, Greenland. I've actually been to, um, you know, everyone's been to Canada. Um, I've been to Europe. I've been to Paris. Um, it's probably um, not too many places I haven't went that aren't like uh, third world countries. But um, yeah, man, I'm just a big traveler, bro. I'm really just a big traveler, man. Some of the places that I really want to go are like um, Australia, just like I was saying, man, and like South Africa on, on the next on the next trip. <laughs> Okay. All right. So listen, we can definitely, unless you hit it up before we, before 2020 is out, then we yeah. can definitely do South Africa 2021. Uh, let's do it, bro. Let's do it, man. <laughs> okay. You're going to have to forewarn me when you're getting ready to eat something exotic though. <laughs> Let me know first be- before you set it on my, before you put it in front of me, before you put it on my plate. I'll just let, I'll just tell you that it's a regular burger, man. Don't worry about that. <laughs> oh no! See, Vandre, I have to be able to trust you, my brother. I have to be able to trust you. Oh, you can trust me, man. I won't. I won't send you um, taste buds down the wrong down, down the wrong spiral. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. 
<laughs> so, man, I, I always like to uh, we do something at our school called Career Spotlight, uh, yeah. where we expose our children to uh, consummate professionals that have pursued their passion and been successful, yeah. uh, have have endured the process of and the pain of growth and development, yeah. uh, have failed a lot, have succeeded a lot but have a journey that they can help the children walk down vicariously and yeah. expose them to what's needed in order not just to be successful, but to be fulfilled. I think that's the transition where when I speak to young people, that is one of the things that I am definitely floating as a balloon is yeah. that like this rat race of getting to success is uh, it is really a uh, it's a facade. It, it really is, is a mirage. Yeah, because, really, yeah, I tell everyone, you know, Rome was not built in a day. And right. that's that I definitely had to even learn myself, you know, because, you know, me being as smart as I am, you know, I look, I, I get around a lot of guys, you know, I hang around a lot of guys that are high society and I'm looking at them and I'm like, you know, I'm a smart, but why am I not there? You know, and you really can't values you really can't gauge your success off of someone else's success you really have to gauge it off of your own because you don't know what someone else actually went through to get to where they are and you're gonna have to take some steps and you're gonna have to want to say self-check yourself to actually get to that point so Rome was not built in a day it's gonna take some time for you to really alter and for you to get the messaging the way that you want for you to get the marketing in place for that you want it's gonna take time for you to actually do it and year over year and month over month that you're actually putting the time in, you're going to get better. 1% a day. Don't look at it as I'm trying to take 20% because inside of business, inside of success, there are literally no leaps. There's no leaps. There's no leaps that are going to take you from 20 to 40%. It's going to take you from 20 to 21%. Why? Because there is steps that's going to take you there. Absolutely. And so getting people to focus more on fulfilling their destiny as opposed to just succeeding at different things. So I, yeah. I know all the, I know all of the adages about success leaves clues, and it does. Yeah. Uh, and it's good to learn, or like you had, you, you mentioned, to garner wisdom from your mentors yeah. that you can use along your own journey. But one of the things my mentor always says is, it's better to be a great original than to live as a poor cop. And exactly. so... Exactly. So you don't want to copy what your mentors are telling you. You want to model what your mentors are telling you. It's a, it's a absolutely. Great, it's a, it's a really big difference in between copying and modeling. Copying is okay. I'm gonna I'm, I'm seeing what he's doing. You have to stay behind this person to do what they're actually doing. You're never going to be able to get in front or never be able to get in front of the curve because you always have to watch what they're doing and you taking what they're doing and trying to recreate it, you're going to miss some stuff because you don't know what this person did to get to that point. So model what they're actually doing. Model, take what they're actually doing and say, okay, this person does this. This person goes to sleep at this time. I should probably go to sleep at this time and then do this. Find out what processes your mentors are going through to get them to there. Don't look for the, the I want to say like the message or I want to say the, like the um, get rich quick message that's actually going to make you a million dollars the next day. Try to model what your mentors are doing and then recreate that inside of your own process. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree because you don't want to try to copy the success. Yes. Rather, you want to model the process and the principle. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's great, man. So listen, we have a couple minutes left, Andre, 
And I want, please excuse the technical hiccup. So I have to have you back on the show because yeah. I feel like we missed so much in the middle. I mean, but, we can do it, bro. All right. I want you to tell the people where they can get in touch with you, your social media handles. Yeah. Uh, where can they find Vondre Smith? Yeah, man. So you can actually um go to Google right now and actually type in who does your marketing, or you can just go to Google and type in Vondre Smith. I'll literally pop up for you. Um, you can find me on um, who does your marketing on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Um, I'm literally all over the internet, man. Just search for my name and I'll, you'll find me. Okay. You sound like uh, it reminded me of my old rap days. Sound like mystical. I heard you were looking for me. Here I go. <laughs> right. No, but okay. That's that was, I, I showed, people, I showed you know? my age there a little bit. I showed my age. I did. I showed it. It's okay. But uh, I do want to leave people with this thought, this idea. Uh, tomorrow is going to be a great giveaway uh, through Enjoy Detroit. Yeah. Uh, make sure that you check out the their uh, Memorial Day celebration. That is tomorrow. There are certain there are there's more than one location where distribution will take place. Uh, and big shout out to Dave Woods again. And uh, make sure here are some announcements for the drawing board. Check out the new website. Listen, thedrawingboardnation.com. We have a website that's live. So if you want to see us, we have uh, merchandise. You can get your shirt. You can get your mask. You can buy the book. We have limited edition tees where the, the model that we had from the very first conference 2019, you can get it there. We want you to join the movement, the book. The yeah. podcast, the conference, the merchandise is going down. All right. So listen, Brother Vondre, man, I appreciate you. God bless you, sir, and all that you do. According to the word of God, he said, whatever your hands touch, he would make it to prosper. So I just pray, man, God's blessings on everything you do. Continue to create the atmosphere of, uh, you see what I did there, uh, the atmosphere <laughs> Uh, for the different organizations that you work with because yeah. you carry in there the presence of God and the anointing that destroys yoke lift burdens and produces the optimal outcome. So yeah. bless you, man. Here's my challenge to you. Oh, yes. With four minutes left, I always give my guests a challenge. And I thought this was for me. I was like, God, this is a great idea. I should yeah. use this for me. Yeah. And he brought it up when we were sitting right here conversing. Yeah. Um, the idea that you spoke about was something that registered with a, a workshop I was going to do. But I, I want to. Here's my challenge to you. It's not about thinking out of the box. It's about forgetting the box. Yeah. Think like there's no box at all. Yes, sir. And so my thing is, I want you to write something about that if you haven't already okay. uh, for youth, youth specifically. Yeah. Um, Thinking like there's no box at all. Okay. And walk me through your journey, your process of living a life fulfilled by purpose and not just pursuing success. Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely, man. All can, right, I'm going to follow up, man. I can do that for you, bro. I can definitely do that for you, man. Okay. So living like there's no box at all. I'm the Vondre Smith I'm do that, story. Bro. I'm excited to do you that. You hear that? Yeah, let's do that. Did you hear me? I'm excited to do that, man. Let's do it. Okay, absolutely. So I always say your future is not behind you. It is not before you. Yeah. It is within you. I'm Andre Ebron. 
I've had my brother Vondre Smith on. And to everybody listening, we say God bless you. God bless everyone. All right, peace.